0: Hello, this is episode 189 of the Get It Right podcast. In this episode, I'll be covering the kickoff stage of your project. This is where you're past the idea stage, past the dreaming stage. You know you want to get going, but you're not sure about who to hire or your next best steps and who you should speak to first. We're going to be covering the mistakes to avoid, the key ways to get it right in this stage and an action step for you to make great progress in the right direction. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building, or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with, and whatever your dreams, your location, or your budget. Together, we'll uncover the nitty-gritty of how to get it right, And how to create a home that works, feels great, and that you feel great in. So, join me now. Now, before I jump into this episode, I want to share with you a fantastic resource I've created to help you, and you can access it now for free. If you're struggling with understanding the overall steps for your project, what you should be focusing on and when, or how to invest, your efforts energy and money in the best possible way to get a great outcome in your future home this will be super helpful. I've created a free online workshop called Your Project Plan and you can watch it now head to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan to access it and watch it online. I've also added some great bonus resources that I've made available for you and they include the transcripts of all of the podcasts in this season, this Christmas 2020 season, packaged up in a fantastic e-guide. You can find it all at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan and that's p-r-o-j-e-c-t-p-l-a-n project plan or one word. Go check it out now. Now, let's get on with the episode. So I'm super excited to be diving into this episode where we're going to be talking about your first steps in kicking off your project. I know in all of my experience of working with homeowners that how you take these first steps the, and the actual first steps that you take can dramatically impact the experience that you have in your project and the home that you create It makes sense. I mean, if you're about to head from, you know, in the car and drive from Sydney to Melbourne, but as you head out of Sydney, you accidentally head north instead of heading south, then you're going to be heading in in completely the wrong direction. And getting off the freeway may take a while until you've got a turn off that gets you heading back in the right direction. It's not dissimilar to building and renovating. I see homeowners head off in the wrong direction in their projects and it can be, you know, three, six, even 12 months down the track that it becomes obvious that they started out in the wrong direction and they now have work to undo, having wasted time, money and effort. So what does this stage look like? Homeowners at this point have often been collecting together their ideas and inspiration and having lots of conversations about what they might like to do. How homeowners have developed or catalogued their ideas and inspiration and thoughts can vary. Some homeowners have simply jotted down a quick list of ideas to tell a designer that you plan to work with, Others have developed a full dossier of information, a really comprehensive list or what can be known as a brief for what they want in their future home and this will be accompanied by photos and information about their site and if they're renovating also their existing home. And if it's a family or a couple that are planning their project then they've talked over it themselves for quite a while to create a clear collective picture of what they want their future home to be. I actually teach homeowners how to pull together a great brief inside the home method because it's such an important communication tool for those first conversations and it can make a big difference to you finding the right people to work with and quickly. I love seeing how homeowners use that knowledge to create amazing briefs that not only give them clarity in on their vision in their future home, but they're also awesome at vetting the right type of professional to work with. You know, those briefs alone have helped homeowners avoid designers who would be a terrible fit, And find the right person instead to trust and work with. And I've also received emails from architects and designers who have had clients come to them with the briefs that they've learned to put together from the home method. And they've thanked me for how well it enables them to get started on this homeowner's project. You know, they've loved that the homeowner has done this work because it reduces so much of the risk involved in poor communication and, you know, the designer not understanding the client's wishes and wants well and things just not gelling from the get-go. The other thing that can be going on at this stage, at this kickoff stage, is that you're doing, if you're doing this with your partner as a couple and a family, you know, one of you can be further ahead and feeling clearer about what you want to do and having a stronger vision than the other. Or you can both have very strong and clear visions, but it feels like there are total odds with each other you know that you need to get going, but overcoming those initial disagreements can feel challenging and it's like, you know, it's just not doable that you'll get on the same page and both be happy with what you end up doing. At this stage of the kickoff, you may also be in the process of securing a new block of land for a new build and getting yourself into a kickoff first steps frame of mind as opposed To just being in that dreaming stage that will mean that you're actually you know doing effective due diligence on the property and its suitability for the type of home that you're planning on creating before you actually go ahead and purchase that block of land and kickoff can also mean that you already own the block of land for a new home or you own the existing house if you're planning a renovation so there's lots of things in different systems that can be going on in the kickoff stage depending on where you're at in your particular scenario for the project that you're planning Now, let's look at our three metrics, budget, fears, and stress. So first is budget. Now, my experience with homeowners in this first step stage, in this, you know, we're past the idea stage, we're kicking off, they've started to think about their budget. And some have even, you know, they've done some good quality research about it. And often what comes through is there's a concern about overcapitalizing. Now, they may have mapped out some early costing ideas or may have even gone much further and got into a very detailed spreadsheet layout of costs and items that they've been collecting information on or it may be something much rougher and more loose and based on conversations with friends who've recently done their own project but you know that overcapitalizing it can be a really big concern as can there just be a general concern around budget blowouts and keeping everything on track. Which leads me on to fears. So what I find is that the fears at this stage, they can change depending on how you are generally as a person, when you first tackle something that you have little or no experience in, and also just how much you've moved into the kicking off stage. So some people have no fears, they're optimistic, they feel if they just get the right people to work with, they're going to be fine. Others are very nervous about stuffing up their home's design and ending up with a home that they don't like and so that's the main point of the focus that they have in their project and in their preparation and that's a very valid fear because you know when you're building and renovating you're creating something that's a big financial investment it's also a very permanent structure and it has a big impact on your personal finances and on your future and on your lifestyle and so it's understandable to be concerned about that and then some homeowners are this point they also tell me that they feel like they're walking around with a target on their forehead and women especially tell me this and that their biggest fear is being taken advantage of and having the wool pulled over their eyes and again this is a completely understandable fear as well you know there's loads of not so great stories out there about people who have had the wool pulled over their eyes and have been taken advantage of by dodgy operators in this industry And, you know, it's those stories of real life projects gone wrong. They, you know, they cause fear for many at their kickoff point. And, you know, they've heard the horror stories of homeowners having a stressful ride and ending up with a half finished home and they just don't want their project to go down a similar path. So let's look at stress. So again, like the fears, this can largely be to do with how you ordinarily handle new situations where you're doing something for the first time and you're totally outside your comfort zone. But it's also linked to the quality of education that you've gathered at this point and the initial confidence that you have to make well-informed first steps in your project. Now some homeowners at this point they're still feeling totally on top of things. Others are optimistic it'll all work out but they're starting to feel a bit overwhelmed at all the things they have to know and think about and the fact that they know that there's things they don't know. And then there's others already feeling the stress and the challenges and that's all of those things they're all totally reasonable you know it's a lot of money it's a big undertaking to design renovate or build your future family home so all those stresses are completely reasonable now let's have a look at the mistakes that many make in the kickoff stage of their project and i'm going to take you through the main mistakes that i see homeowners make and then i'm going to share with you how to get it right instead so firstly one of the mistakes homeowners make in this kickoff stage is that the first person they get around is a builder. Now, this seems logical, you know, if you're going to have to build a renovation or new home, then a builder is who you're going to need. So getting one around to give you some ideas of cost and what's possible and whether budget is realistic, well, of course, that seems like the logical place to start. And it's really common thing that homeowners do this. And whilst I get it, it's a really terrible place to start your project and there's a few reasons for this. So builders are amazing at building but not many builders are great designers as well and whilst they are great at advising on buildability, uh, you know, if you're really trying to work out what's possible, a designer can actually be far more helpful. So, you know, if you say you have $400,000 for your renovation and the specific things that you want to achieve in extra rooms or renovated spaces, there will be many possibilities of how that could look design-wise for $400,000. Now, a builder may tell you the simplest way to extend your home, but they won't necessarily be able to advise on all the different ways that you could do it for the same amount of money. And knowing that information could actually dramatically change what you do next. In addition, any ideas that they're giving you about costing at this point can be really misleading. In the absence of drawings, an understanding of approval pathways, the structural design, what design ideas you may have, your standard of finish and the existing condition of your land or home, these can all have a dramatic impact on price. And unfortunately, even if they tell you a range what you'll mentally benchmark in your head is the low end of that range. And it can be a long road then to find out that everyone's assumptions were off and that your project is actually considerably higher in cost. I've seen the challenge that some builders have in keeping up with current planning codes and legislation as well. You know, they may have done a project down the street and that's why you're getting them around to your place, but your town planning restrictions could be entirely different from their current project. And I've seen this get homeowners into trouble a few times. And what homeowners often do with these initial meetings, and they do this with designers as well, is that they treat them as a mining expedition for free ideas and inspiration and not an opportunity to determine if the person that they've invited around is actually a good fit for their project uh, and is a good communicator and a good business operator. Now, I do believe that builders definitely need to be involved in the pre-construction phase and collaborate with you and the designer to help provide costing feedback and input on build efficiency as well. However, I think it's a mistake to call them first in isolation though, unless you know that they're a builder who regularly works with a designer and they'll bring a designer around as well. Equally, it's also a mistake to get a designer around who just proposes all sorts of big ideas without demonstrating that they have a clue about budget, that they fit with your budget based on recent projects and that they have demonstrable experience. So, you know, design, buildability and budget, they all need to be integrated in your decisions at the outset, even at this kickoff stage. I've got some really great resources that will help you with preparing for that initial conversation with a designer. And also for reviewing a designer's fee proposal to ensure it covers everything that it needs to. So make sure you check out the resources. I've got those links there for you. Now, another mistake is when homeowners, they use a design construct business or a builder with their own in-house design team. You know, I see often homeowners will do this as a means of trying to control the design and budget, figuring that if the designer is in-house, that they'll have a better ability to create a design that the builder can deliver on the budget that you've indicated, you know, like a one-stop shop and it's all just handled in the same place. I am all for collaboration between the designer, the builder and you as the client and right from the start. I firmly believe collaboration is the best way to ensure that your design develops on budget and that it incorporates all the efficiencies it can to improve construction timelines and to achieve cost savings where possible. But I believe that collaboration works best when the architect and the builder are both directly contracted to you as the client. It means that they're both working in your interests, to your agenda, and that they're accountable to you as well. And then there's this great tension that can happen. It's really fun actually, where the designer and the builder, they both push each other, you know, that that really ensures that the home is being created, you know, it ultimately explores and exploits what's possible for your investment and your goals. Now, in a design construct environment, when the designer's inside the builder's business, the designer doesn't work for you, the designer works for the builder. And so what that means is though, you know, even though they're designing your home, they're ultimately accountable to the builder as their employer and ultimately accountable for delivering the builder's agenda. And what I've seen happen in these scenarios is that you're not even shown options that are possible because they're just not what the builder wants to build or how it fits within that builder's systems. Companies like building brokers also fall into this category. I've seen situations where the homeowner's actually always having to relay their design wishes and instructions and feedback, you know, via a salesperson or a customer contact. And they're never actually getting to meet the designer in person and sit with them, even though that designer's the one designing their home. Ownership of the design can also become problematic in the design construct environment and the building broker one as well. So you can often find that the the preliminary agreements that you sign with them to get going on the design process, they'll prevent you from taking the design elsewhere for price checking um, or, you know, if you decide that you don't want to proceed with these people as builders. Many will use these companies because uh, they offer free design services. That's why a lot of homeowners use them. So, you know, that they don't they don't have to pay for the design, but just as there's no such thing as a free lunch, there is no such thing as free design. The cost of delivering it, it has to be paid for somewhere and it's going to be baked into your costs somewhere. So it's just that it's not, it's not at all transparent and it can often prevent you having any ownership of it, which is incredibly frustrating if you spend months and months developing it with the company, or you brought your own design to them as a direction for what you wanted and then you potentially don't own the copyright to it anymore. Now, finally, another big mistake is that homeowners at this kickoff stage, they're often focusing on the what and not on the who. So what do I mean by this? Well, what happens is that you can easily get caught up in the worries of, you know, what will your project be like? What will you spend? What will it look like when it's all done? What will council need? And then you completely overlook the who. You know, firstly, who will be on your team? Because renovating and building is best done as a team effort and finding a team who fits you, fits your project and understands and is excited about your vision for your future home. That's an incredibly powerful way to keep your project on track and to bring your dreams to reality. And secondly, the other who is who will you need to be to drive this process and to make this all happen? Because how you show up and what you do to get yourself educated and informed to avoid mistakes You know, that all matters to make sure that you're on the right track. So how do you then get it right? And how do you avoid these mistakes of getting the builder around first, of choosing to work with a design construct business, or focusing on the what instead of the who? Well, you can get it right by understanding more about the overall journey ahead, so that you stand a much better chance of reaching your destination. You know, if you're heading somewhere that you've never been before and all you're doing is figuring out the next step as soon as you've made the last one, it's not going to take a lot for you to get lost, bamboozled or taken advantage of. So there's two parts to this. One is getting an understanding of the roadmap ahead, you know, the steps that you'll need to take to get from your kickoff stage to that completed home that's ready to move into and even beyond, you know, as you you navigate defects, liability periods and warranties after the builder is gone. Knowing this roadmap, this step-by-step process is so critical to your success because it means that you can always anticipate what is coming up next and who you'll need to help you. And it means that you can streamline things overall rather than dealing with one bucket of tasks and work and then having a big gap in time before you find out what's next, you know, or worse still having to trace back over previous work because you didn't do all of the things you were supposed to do before you moved forward. In actual fact, there are sections of your project and specific tasks you can overlap. And that can actually mean that you can run sections of your project planning simultaneously to save big chunks of time. And none of this is possible without knowing the roadmap at the start. Now I said that there were two parts to this. And the second part is not not only knowing your roadmap, but it's also about knowing your strategy. So knowing your strategy is about making sure that you start the right project or that you choose the right approach to your design, your planning approvals, your overall project at the kickoff stage. So I'm gonna illustrate this with an example project so that you can see what I mean. Now, I once had a client who wanted to do a renovation project on an existing home. And this was a small Queenslander cottage that was elevated but it wasn't legal height underneath it. And it was set really close to the front boundary, you know, closer than was now permissible. Um, And it was also very close to one of its side boundaries as well. And the house was in, you know, it was in good condition as a weatherboard home. But like most Queenslanders, inside it had a series of pokey rooms and built-in verandas. And the home also faced north to street. And it had proximity to quite a busy road, which the owners were wanting to contend with at the front of the home. Now, they came to me and they said, you know, this is what we want to do. Firstly, the first idea was that they wanted to demolish the home and to build a new house with a volume builder. They were going to choose something off the plan and uh, and yeah, demolish the existing house. So they were already trying to get this through council and the home that they were wanting to demolish, this home that they owned, it was pre-1946, which for Brisbane City Council, um, they don't generally allow the demolition of now they found out that their application was going to be denied so they withdrew the application so that they didn't have to pay the full processing fees and then they were figuring out what they were going to do to renovate so next they said to me okay what we want to do is we want to raise and restump the existing home and then we want to build in the lower floor and possibly extend the upper floor as well and Um, basically try and replicate what the new home was going to give them, but by doing it with the existing home. And what this meant though, was that we'd need to actually reinstate the required setbacks. So part of us being able to raise and and, uh, lift the house was meaning that uh, for things to be compliant, uh, we were going to need to actually pay attention to the legislated setbacks. So not only would the home go up, It would also need to be moved back significantly on the block quite a few meters which was going to chew up obviously more back garden and then moved sideways as well away from the side boundary and so this was all perfectly doable but like I said it was going to eat up a fair amount of block of the block once the existing home was repositioned and in addition the north to street orientation meant that the backyard would be in shade and the lower floor of the home it would not have great access to northern natural light because there's going to be a double car garage at the front and a whole floor of home above it so it was only going to be have access to southern light. Now in many instances you know homeowners do this and then they just work with people who just you know do what they ask of them and they don't think about whether it's the right strategy or the best project option overall. Now I did a couple of sketch options for them to illustrate some ideas of what else was possible and I also did a sketch option just to show their requested version you know what it would look like and what it would mean for the future home so that they could see that you know They had that to see. Now, one of these options, it included leaving the existing home exactly where it was. So no raising, no restumping, which meant we immediately saved tens and tens of thousands of dollars, like raising and restumping a home and getting all of your structure and excavation in place, retaining things like that can cost, you know, sometimes $100,000. So this, and we meant that we just immediately eliminated that because we were going to leave the house exactly where it was. The site had a slight slope across it, which meant that on one side, on the lower side, we could actually do some minor excavation and re-stumping just in one corner to get a single carport in underneath it. And then we could add room because it was obviously sitting closer to one boundary than the other. There was enough room on the side then to add the the second car space as a carport to the side of the home so that you'd still have the double car car accommodation at the front of the house that was secure. I proposed a rear extension that, on the lower floor it contained two living spaces, the kitchen, dining, laundry, powder room and a walk-in pantry and then upstairs that extension had the master bedroom and an ensuite and walk-in robe and then it also had a second bedroom as well and connection between the extension and the existing home was via a staircase and um and it sort of slipped at that staircase zone, sort of slipped in underneath the existing uh, house's roof line, and, which meant that we could leave the existing house's roof intact. And then the existing home was renovated to then include the kids' bedrooms and a family bathroom and get that all working. So the aim of the new rear extension was that the design... Uh, was was done so that would capture northern light over the top of the existing home so the fact that we were leaving the existing house where it was we could have this two-story extension on the rear we could let northern light in over the top of the existing home into some clerestory glazing on the face on the northern face of the two-story extension and then bring it down via a void over the living space so that then that rear extension captured all that lovely northern sunlight and it wasn't blocked and obliterated by the existing house and then the strategy also meant that we could capitalize on new build efficiencies and and get much bigger bang for buck than you in the extension than you do when you're renovating an existing house and everything's one-off and really labor intensive so you know that that bolt-on extension, new build efficiencies, meant a faster project overall, bigger bang for buck. It's a strategy I teach inside the home method. Um, It's something I've used uh, a lot in renovation projects and of course there was a you know there's a range of other benefits in how the overall project looked the way the budget was going to be spent the continued use of the home the maximization of the rear garden and the speedy planning approval as well so I'll pop a link to the so you can see this project um, check it out in the resources I've shared images of this project before um, and you may be familiar with it but check it out because it'll then show you how this strategy worked so this is what I mean by starting the right project you know Those decisions that you make, the options that you explore, and the strategy that you set at the start, at this kickoff stage, that will all make a fundamental difference to the experience that you have, the type of home that you create. You know, if the homeowner's actually gone ahead with the raising and building in underneath, the project, it would have taken longer, it would have potentially cost more, and it would have been much more challenging for natural light and orientation design, for use of the garden space, for a whole raft of other issues – And, you know, I don't believe it would have been as good a home as the one that we actually created. So, you know, we could have just barreled down that path without this early feasibility study of what else was possible. And this is what many do. And then it's, you know, it's only when they're sort of waist deep and they're finding out that their budget might not work or it's going to be more challenging in council. And then they say, well, what about other options? But by then it can be super difficult to change tack because you're so much further down the track and you've got, you're so much more invested in what you've created. The kickoff stage is actually the prime time to be exploring these options and testing the feasibility of your ideas, and then really determining how you can simplify and risk manage your project so that you can stay on top of your timeline, your budget, and your vision. So this is all largely facilitated by you having clarity about your goals in your project, and that's my second point for getting it right. You know, get clear on what you want to achieve by doing your renovation or new build. Whilst you're in the kickoff stage, you can feel that it's all about solving an immediate problem. You know, you might need more space or you want to live in a new location or you're seeking to improve your existing home. However, this is likely to be, you know, it's going to be a big investment of your time, energy and money. And that's time, energy and money you could be investing in many other things if you so chose to. And so thinking about the why behind doing your project and what you're ultimately seeking to achieve by undertaking this And then what that means in relation to your overall lifestyle and financial goals, it's definitely worthwhile. Doing this now at the point of kickoff, it's going to give you a place to return to. You're about to embark on a journey that's going to take you all over the place. And well-meaning friends and industry professionals, they're going to offer advice left, right and centre, you're gonna be required to, to make zillions of decisions. You're gonna get sick of making choices at some point. You're also gonna potentially get confused and overwhelmed and feel like it's all getting too much. And you're going to occasionally find it stressful as well. Even the most organized, the most ninja-like renovators and home builders do. It's bound to happen when this much money, time and personal ambitions and aspirations are on the line. Establishing what you're seeking to achieve will help you find calm and clarity in what can feel hectic, urgent and a lot when you're in the midst of it all. And it's gonna get you up to helicopter view so that you can sift and filter all of the options and find what is gonna fit you and your project vision with more simplicity. It's a fantastic way to get grounded in your project and to stay focused on what, where you really wanna to get to. You know, one of the saddest things is, is when I see homeowners designed by committee because they just haven't done this up front, and they end up taking on the advice of so many different people and resources. And it creates a home that's a hodgepodge of ideas and inspiration, but it's not really connected authentically to them or to their goals. Now, perhaps you feel it's too hard to think about what your life goals are. You know, some homeowners say to me they struggle to think for 12 months, let alone 10 years. If you're not someone who's used to making long-term plans, then it can feel weird to think about where this project might fit into them. However, I suspect that you still have some ideas about what you're hoping this future home is going to deliver you in the type of lifestyle that you want to lead. And also some ownership of your own personal values and what you hold important with your family and in how you spend your time. And, you know, often these things can be a great way to sort of anchor your ideas for your project and give you clarity about what's really going to be important to you as you make all the choices and decisions that you need to in your renovation or building project. Now, thirdly, my tip for getting it right in the kickoff stage is, wait for it, budget. Surprise, surprise, hey? Now, hopefully you've set a budget by now. And if you haven't, you definitely need to before you dive too far into your kickoff stage. It's something that any good quality professional will ask you about. It's something that you need to get tested early in your project so that you don't waste time designing a home you can't afford to build. So my budget tips for getting it right at the kickoff stage are these. I've got five of them. They are number one, talk early about your budget. Number two, talk frankly about your budget. Number three, advise if your budget needs to include all the associated fees and approval costs, or if it's just a construction budget that you're referring to. Four, advise if your budget needs to include a contingency, the spare cash that you keep in in it to manage your risks and challenges that can blow out budgets. So you've got something to cover that. Five, ensure the people that you're talking to are indicating how they'll help you to manage your budget throughout your project. Okay, let's go through these. So talking early about your budget, it's pretty self-explanatory. However, some homeowners do hold it back and it means that they don't get relevant advice at this kickoff stage and they can end up down unnecessary rabbit holes. Talking frankly about your budget is key. So I've seen homeowners lie about their budget or give massive ranges for about, you know, what their budget is, but they actually mean the lower end of it. There's a fear as well that once you let someone know about your budget, then they're going to provide costing information that just maxes it out and meets it, or they'll just basically design to it and then they'll not optimise any cost savings that you could have achieved. And I think there's this feeling of, you know, this is the house that we want and we have this amount to spend on it, but if we can get it for cheaper, then that's great. And that's totally understandable. In my experience, though, if people have a budget which is the upper limit of where they want to spend, it is incredibly rare that they spend less. More often than not, they spend more because they're human, we're human, and what we do as humans is we always want more. You know, there are dodgy operators out there, I do admit that, who they'll deliver you a $350,000 house for $450,000 if they can get away with it, but not being honest about your budget is not the way to vet out those type of operators. When you do effective due diligence on the people you start talking with about your project and you actually do the research to establish if they're the kinds of people you want on your team and to work with for the next 12 months or more, then being honest about your budget will ensure that you get good quality feedback as to the feasibility of your project. And learning early about how realistic your budget expectations are will prevent you spending time and emotion on an unaffordable design. Now, Next, let those that you're talking with know if your budget needs to include all the costs and also needs to include your contingency. So, you know, often architects, designers and builders, they'll hear your budget figure and they'll just assume that it's their construction costs, the construction budget only. There's going to be other costs, though, that can be quite considerable. You know, there's professional fees, approval fees, insurance costs, site establishment costs, a range of other costs along the way. You need to let them know if you only have one bucket of money that has to pay for everything, Lastly, talking about your budget early and frankly, it's gonna help you establish if the professionals that you're speaking to are also talking about how they're gonna help you manage your budget. Your budget needs to be their priority as well. Otherwise, it's gonna be a challenging time of working together. Ensure that your budget is mentioned in fee proposals, that they discuss with you how they establish its accuracy, and they protect you from budget blowouts on site. They should have a clear method that's not just about applying square metre rates. Now, to wrap up, let me share my biggest action step at this point, and that is to create a brief. So I mentioned this earlier in the episode, a brief is a fantastic communication tool, super important one that helps you explain to anyone you're speaking to about your project, exactly what you're envisaging for your project and why. It helps with collecting your thoughts, identifying the types of spaces and rooms you want in your future home, any details and specific items that need to be included and most importantly who you are as a family and how you want this future home to help you feel, live and experience your lives together. So inside the home method which is my main online program I actually include a fantastic brief builder which members have loved and you know they get it as a template to put all of their wishes and wants into but they also love it as an exercise to work through and to really facilitate getting clear on what they want their future home to be like you know whilst we can get really caught up in the aesthetics of our future home and all of the objects the fixtures and the finishes that we want it to include our home works best when it's a functional container for our everyday lives and when it's designed to make our lives simpler and more convenient and to help us feel better in it and beyond it So spend time thinking about your brief as part of your kickoff stage. Don't just list the rooms that you want, but also tell the story of who you are, who your family is. Think about how you want individual rooms to feel. How do you want them to connect to each other? Where do you want things to be kept apart? What do you definitely not want in your future home? What type of feelings do you wanna have when you're living in your future home? And how do you picture it welcoming others? Write it all down. Some homeowners say to me, you know, won't, it, won't I put off a potential designer by showing them all of this stuff about my ideas and my future home? And my answer to that is that your brief actually helps you get clear on what you want and then showing it to others and seeing how much they care about what you want. It's a great way to find good people to work with. Any designer who, in that first interaction, feels that it's too much to read through the work and thinking that you've done about your future home please pay attention to the red flag that they're madly waving at you and walk away. This is your home, it's important to you and the right designer will recognise this and honour your efforts at getting ready by embracing your brief. So whilst many at this kickoff stage are thinking about the fact that they're past the idea stage, past the dreaming stage and they want to get going but they're not sure about who to hire or next steps and who do they speak to first, you can see that there's a lot that you can do to put yourselves in the best position possible so that then whoever you're speaking to first, be it an architect, a designer, or a builder, you'll be able to determine very quickly if they're the right fit and then move forward in your project confidently. Now in the next episode, I'm going to be talking about those who are DIYing their design and you know, working through their design by themselves and know that they're gonna soon be on the hunt for a builder to make it a reality. There are many, many homeowners who design their own home from scratch, and then they just go straight to a builder. And they see it as a means of maintaining full control in the process, actually getting what they want in their future home. But there's some key things to pay attention to if this is your approach, so that you don't end up making mistakes or just overlooking the things that can make your home truly special and enjoyable to live in. So we're going to be diving into that in the next episode remember to check out my online workshop, Your Project Plan. It's yours to access for free and you can watch it now. Plus, there's some great bonus resources for you, as well as the transcripts to this season of the podcast, all packaged up in a great downloadable e-guide. This free workshop, it will really help you understand the best steps to take wherever you're at in your project and how you can avoid some serious and expensive mistakes. Plus, I'll share with you what to focus on and when, so that you know that you're getting everything in order for a successful project and a beautiful home. Head to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. It's all one word P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N project plan to watch it now. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.